0: Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge's online service. I am Pastor John, and this week we begin a new sermon series entitled Cultivate, where we are looking at the letter to the Philippians to see how God cultivates the church. I'm excited about this new sermon series, the letter to Philippians. It's it's a joyful one, and we'll talk a little bit about Paul's joy and where that joy comes from and how we might be able to capture that joy. So... The sermon will be coming up shortly. Between now and then there will be some announcements and I invite you to listen to the announcements and to learn about what's going on at Stonebridge Community Church so you can be involved. And I know that a lot of you skip over the announcements. Don't do that this week. Learn about what's happening at Stonebridge. God bless you all. And I'm excited that you're worshiping with us through our online service.
1: Welcome to Stonebridge. Here are some announcements and things to know. Stonebridge Day Camp is quickly approaching and we could use your help. Prep days are scheduled for June 12th, 19th, and 27th. If you can hammer a nail or manage a paintbrush, you're qualified. Come when you can and leave when you must. Email Miss Stephanie to put your name on the list. Not available to help in person? Check the weekly newsletter to make a donation of supplies through Amazon. Our Board of Deacons not only helps the needy in our community through monthly donations, to the Samaritan Center, Sarah's House, James Storehouse, and Action. They also provide confidential support, encouragement, and assistance to members of our church family. You're invited to support the caring work of our deacons by making a special offering on the first weekend of every month. Thank you so much for your generosity. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or, if you're following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship.
0: In our sermon series entitled Cultivate, we'll be looking at the letter to the Philippians. And the letter to the Philippians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in the city of. Philippi. This is one of the churches that Paul started. And we're going to be looking at this letter in order to see how does God cultivate the church? From Paul's perspective, how is God at work amongst the church in Philippi, cultivating them into a congregation that bears a fruitful harvest? So we'll begin this sermon series by looking at Philippians 1 verses 1 through 11. And I invite you to hear the word of God. This is Paul's salutations or his greetings to the Philippians. So hear the word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight, to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, through this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, through this interaction and through the glimpse we get into Paul's relationship with this congregation, Lord, we ask that you would teach us about what it means to be the church now. Through this letter, we ask that we would understand how we can be a church that reflects you in the world so that others may see you and have hope. So teach us through your scriptures, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Teach us now through your word. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The letter to the Philippians, this letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi, it is a joyful letter. This is a letter that is actually full of joy. Over and over again, Paul expresses his own joy about the Philippians, about where this church is. And over and over again, Paul exhorts them. He encourages them to rejoice as well at the work that's being done amongst them. This is a letter that is full of joy. And it's full of joy because of Paul's vision for the church. Paul imagines this church of Philippi standing there in the day of Christ, the day when Jesus returns, when the world is put back to right. Paul imagines the Philippians standing there, having their work completed by God. And he uses this metaphor of fruit or of the harvest. Paul sees them bearing fruit. He sees a fruitful harvest here amongst these people. And he sees that that is what God is going to complete and that they will eventually fulfill Paul's hopes and expectations. This idea of the harvest of righteousness, that is Paul's ultimate hope for the church. And here with the church at Philippi, he sees it happening. He sees that they're on that path. So this letter, it's a joyful one. It's full of joy. However, it's a little surprising that this letter is so full of joy. At least it's surprising to me, and I think it should be surprising to anyone who's read Paul's letters closely or who um, knows anything about Philippi. It's surprising for two reasons. The reasons that it's surprising are Paul himself and the city of Philippi. Paul is one of those figures where you either love him or you hate him. The Apostle Paul is a fiery personality. On the one hand, people who love him, they they point to a number of things that, that are very accurate. I mean, Paul has one of the best stories in Scripture, maybe one of the best stories in the entire world. With Paul's story, he is born a Jew of Jews. He is born into the tribe of Benjamin. He is circumcised on the appropriate day according to the law of Moses, and he is faithful to the law of Moses. And then Paul is trained under one of the best rabbis. He's trained in what's called the sect of the Pharisees, which is this kind of elite, ultra-zealous, law-abiding group of Jewish people who uphold the Torah, the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible— They are devout, they are zealous, and Paul is one of them. In fact, Paul is so zealous for the the Bible and the God of the Bible and the God of Israel that he spends the early part of his career, his, his early part of his life, trying to destroy the Christian church. He sees it as this idolatrous development, and that since the Christians are lifting Jesus up as Lord they need to be wiped out because there is only one God, the God of the Torah. So Paul spends the early part of his adulthood and the early part of his career going from church to church and city to city and taking the lives of Christians. The book of Acts tells us that Paul was standing there overseeing the death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. But then Paul He goes into Damascus, and he's going there to try to persecute the church. But on the way to Damascus, the city where a church was growing and thriving, Paul encounters the risen Jesus, and Jesus knocks him to the ground. And from that point on, everything changes about Paul's perspective. Instead of destroying the church, Paul will spend the rest of his life building the church up going from city to city, making these dangerous journeys in order to start new churches in cities. Paul begins seeing the church as the primary way that God is working in the world. For Paul, the church was the expression of Jesus. The world was going to see who the God re- re- revealed in Jesus is by the representation of the church. So Paul He devotes all of his time. He puts his life at risk. And ultimately, we know from tradition, he gives his life for the church. Paul spends his life doing everything he can to build communities that are centered on the fact that Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus was raised from the dead. And centered on the truth that through this resurrection, God had overcome death. He spends all of his time building up those communities. So there's a beautiful side to Paul's story. And he's incredibly thoughtful, incredibly intelligent. So there's a lot to love about Paul. But people who get frustrated with Paul, they they, they can see him as rigid or as overly argumentative. And he is overly argumentative. He, maybe not overly argumentative, but he is definitely argumentative. I mean, go read the letter to the Galatians. He is not joyful in that letter at all. He is angry with the Galatians. He's trying to argue them down. He's showing them the ways in which they've messed up. Or go read the letters to the Corinthians. There's there's two of them in the Bible. And in that one, Paul is distraught because this church who's supposed to be unified around Jesus is being fractured by different leaders and different beliefs. In fact, most of the time, when Paul knows a congregation well in his letters when he really knows them, when he's writing to them, it's usually because there's a problem. There's something that is wrong. There's an issue that needs to be addressed, which is why I say it's surprising to me that the letter to the Philippians is so joyful. Because in this one, Paul isn't writing because they're so wayward. Paul isn't writing because they've gone so far off track. Paul is writing because they're doing so well. They're, they're flourishing. They're There are some things you need to watch out for, but overall, this is a congregation that Paul is happy with, that he is joyful with. And you just don't see that as much when Paul knows a congregation well in his letters. It's also surprising to me that Paul is this joyful because we know from this letter, he's in prison. He's not doing well. He's not living his best life or anything like that. Paul is in prison here, writing to them full of joy. So I think because of Paul, it's a little surprising that this letter is so joyful. But then it's also surprising because of the city of Philippi. The city of Philippi, it's got a fascinating history. It's got an incredibly fascinating history, actually. This city of Philippi, it was started, uh, really founded back in the Greek empire when the Greeks had their little empire and they were in control of things. And then for for a while, maybe even a couple hundred years or so, the city of Philippi becomes kind of dormant and nobody's living there after the Greek empires recede. That is, nobody's living there until around 50 BC or so, 50 years before Jesus was born. Around that time, if you know your Roman history, you know that that's around when Julius Caesar was assassinated. Julius Caesar, the one who uh, expanded the Roman Empire, who was a military genius and who pulled together Rome and basically consolidated his own power. Caesar is assassinated. And two of his closest friends and followers, Mark Antony and the one who will become Caesar Augustus, they end up chasing the people who assassinated Caesar. And they have all these wars, and it's really determining, is Rome going to be an empire, or is it going to be a republic based on a senate? And Mark Antony and Caesar Augustus, they chase Julius Caesar's assassins to the city of Philippi, and there's a battle of Philippi, and it takes place a couple decades, a few decades before Jesus is born. And Caesar Augustus and Mark Antony, they win this battle battle of Philippi. So what they then do is they tell a bunch of their soldiers, veterans. Now this war is over. You get Philippi. This city is now yours. So Philippi hadn't been lived in, but about 50, about basically about 100 years before Paul begins his ministry, it begins to be populated by Roman soldiers. They work the mines there. Um, Later on, when Caesar Augustus has completely taken over, and Mark Antony's out of the picture again. Augustus puts more soldiers there in Philippi. So you have to think about the fact that this city is dominated by Roman soldiers. And yet there is a flourishing church here. This is not normal. This doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, Jerusalem, where Jesus did his whole ministry... Is a a backwater in the Roman Empire. It's not prominent in the Roman Empire. Other citizens of the Roman Empire, they, they would not have cared much about what was going on in Jerusalem and Judea. It was viewed as a disruptive part of the Roman Empire that was always in rebellion and difficult to govern. Roman soldiers would not have appreciated how Jerusalem was always trying to overthrow the Roman Empire. It was always so difficult. So, the fact that Paul has gone to Philippi, and he's preached the gospel, and now there's a flourishing church in this city that it would be very unlikely to see a church flourish, that's surprising. So, I I get why Paul is joyful, but the circumstances that create his joy, that this church is doing so well... That is surprising that they've embraced the gospel that's centered around a, an obscure, to their eyes, Jewish teacher who was labeled a criminal and went to a cross and died, and now they believe that he's resurrected from the dead. I mean, this is a city full of Roman soldiers, largely. That's remarkable. Paul is full of joy, though. Paul is full of joy because despite the challenges, despite the odds, His mission is coming to fruition here. Paul is seeing this church on the path to producing that harvest of righteousness. Paul's whole point of living, from the moment that Jesus encountered him on that road on, Paul's whole point in living is to pursue these churches, to help these churches build up. And he sees it here in Philippi. And Paul's churches, his idea of church it's a remarkable vision that he has. According to Paul, you don't go to church because you like the music. That wouldn't even make sense. I don't even know if they had music. Though music is great in churches, that wasn't the reason that you actually went to church. And according to Paul, you didn't go to church because you liked the dynamic preaching or you found the preacher to be entertaining. That wasn't the reason you went to church in Paul's churches. In Paul's churches, you didn't go to the the church because the service time matched up with your schedule. It wasn't an issue of convenience. With Paul's churches, the churches that he built, you went to church because you believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that God raised him from the dead, that he would return, and you wanted your city to reflect that kingdom that Jesus would institute when he returned. You wanted to give people a glimpse of what God's work actually looks like in real human lives. That was why people came to the churches that Paul started. That was the vision of church that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to to proclaim and to point to, a church that was centered around the truth that Jesus was raised from the dead. And because of that, we could have hope. That was Paul's vision for church. And this harvest of righteousness that he's talking about, it it looks like a group of Christians who are treating each other in ways that just weren't normal in Paul's day. In Paul's churches, if you were to walk into the house, it usually was at a house. There, There wasn't a facility or a grand sanctuary. It would be at somebody's house usually, or maybe it would be outdoors, But if you walked there and you became part of these people, in fact, Paul's idea of a church, it wasn't that you went to a church. You were the church. The church was the people. It was not a place you went to. But if you were part of this community that was the church, you would look into the way they interacted and you would see slaves interacting with free people as equals. You would see poor people interacting with rich people as equals. You would see male and female not having the normal distinctions based on gender that were common in Paul's society. You would see people who not only believed that Jesus was raised from the dead, but they started treating each other as though that were true, as though Jesus had died for not just them and not just the people who were like them, but Jesus had died on behalf of this world to incorporate as many as possible into the church and eventually into the kingdom. So, when Paul's talking about this harvest of righteousness, he's pointing to the Philippians who are treating each other well, who are giving the city of Philippi a glimpse of what God's work can accomplish, what God's work looks like, of the redemption, the reconciliation, the restoration that is central to the work that God is doing in the world. The church in Philippi was giving its city that glimpse. When I think about Paul's vision of the church, I find myself becoming joyful. It's an appealing vision. But I think many of us, we could look at this picture of the church and walk away actually a little bit sad. Because we could compare it to the churches that we see today. Where church is, for for far too many, it's more a matter of convenience. Church is more a matter of it, does the music suit your preference? Does the preaching suit your preference? Does the service time line up with your preference? We have the idea of church shopping and going around and church shopping. We are a bit off from Paul's vision of the church in a number of ways. And I think there's even more issues, too. I mean, we have churches now being overtaken by conspiracy theories that have nothing to do with the gospel. We have churches being taken over by political movements that have nothing to do with the gospel. We have churches that are losing their identity in the gospel. And they're becoming known for any number of other uh, causes. So we could look at all that and we could be sad. But I think if we do that, we're not capturing Paul's perspective. And we're missing maybe the most important thing about Paul's introduction here to the Philippians, his salutations and his greetings. And I think we're missing the most important thing about Paul's vision for the church. This harvest of righteousness that Paul talks about, this glimpse of people reflecting the kingdom of God and treating each other well and centering their lives around the truth that Jesus was Messiah and Jesus was resurrected from the dead and that we have hope that God overcame death because of that. That vision of the church, it doesn't rest on human action. Notice that in the introduction, Paul says that he is confident that God will complete the work that was begun amongst them to the day of Christ Jesus. The church doesn't rest in our hands. It rests in God's hands. And it's easy for us to look at the church and to look at human behavior and look at the way humans um, are, are falling short here. But the truth is that God is the one who builds the church up. And God is the one who works on us and changes us. And the God that was at work in Paul's day in the city of Philippi is still at work today here in the city of Simi Valley, in the city of uh, Moore Park, in our whole surrounding area, in the city of Los Angeles. The same God at work in Philippi that Paul is still joyful over is at work now working in the same way. God is the one who strengthens the church. God is the one who cultivates the harvest that the church yields. So when I think of Paul's vision of the church, I I remember that in Paul's day, people failed also. And though our churches do fail, and we have issues that we need to address, and things to work on, at its core, we should be joyful about the church. The fact that 2,000 years now, the church has still stood. That the gospel that we proclaim has been passed down. And though the church has fallen short over and over and over again, God continues to pull the church back to this gospel. So we should rejoice along with Paul, along with the church at Philippi, that this work continues. We should rejoice that God's work of the church carries on and that we get to be a part of it. So, As we look at how God is cultivating the church, may we remember that church, it's a source of joy. Church is a glimpse of the kingdom of God in a certain community so that people can have joy and people can have hope. May we rejoice. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God may take you this next week. May you go rejoicing. May you go rejoicing at the work that God is doing in your life. May you go rejoicing at the work God is doing in the church at large. May you go rejoicing at the work God is doing through Stonebridge and the city of Simi Valley. May you go rejoicing because our God is at work. Our God is alive. And we wait for the day of Christ when he will return. and We will see the harvest of righteousness on that day. So may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace, friends. And amen.